Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the podcast, Going Against the Grain. I'm your host, Tyler Bridgewater, and it's been a long time. Yeah, it's been a long time. I think it's been about two months. Yeah. Um, College, man. College and soccer. It's very draining, especially when you come back from injury. So, yeah, um, I'm back now. Should be back to uploading monthly now as I'm getting used to my college schedule and everything. But we left off on why I should vote part one. If you haven't listened to it, I highly suggest you listen to it. It's really good. Um, I talked about the executive branch. So like the president, vice president, cabinet. Also add some scriptures to show what God would say about voting for Christians. So highly suggest you go listen to that before you listen to this, because this will be part two. We'll be talking about Congress and then the workers of Congress. So you know why your vote counts and why you should vote on also Congress and not just on the executive branch, because... Congress also has its own impact in its own unique way. So now we're getting to it. So Congress. Congress is made up of two houses, Senate and the House of Representatives. Senate is the upper chamber, and the House is known as the lower chamber. So we're going to start off with the lower chamber first and work our way up. So House of Representatives, there's 435 voting members, six non-voting members, and these six non-voting members are members that are from U.S. territories, so like America, Samoa, U.S. Virgin Islands, and other territories of the U.S. that are not, you know, explicitly in the U.S., but they are territories like controlled by the U.S., basic, basically controlled. So they have a say in, have, well, they have representation, but they're not allowed to vote, so they're there. And watching what's going on, they're not allowed to vote though. Um, and the amount of representatives that each state in the United States have is based on how many congressional districts. So I know for Louisiana, I'll use that Louisiana for example. I use it for example a lot of times because that's where I'm from and that's what I know the most about in the state level. Um, Louisiana has six congressional districts, so we have six representatives, and that's for every single state, this is how many congressional districts you have. That's how many representatives you have in the House. And each district has one representative, no more, no less. Each district has one representative. And they have no term limits, but they're for a re-election every two years. So basically, that's their term limit. If they're not doing the job that you vote them in for, you can vote them out every two years. So... Let's say you vote them in 2022. It doesn't do what you want. In 2024, you can vote for somebody else and vote in my office. So that that's technically a term limit, but they don't have no set term limit. And some requirements to be a representative in the House is you have to be 25 years old. You have to be a U.S. citizen for at least the past seven years. And you have to be a resident of the state that you represent at the time of election. So... If I wasn't a resident of Louisiana and I wanted to run for a seat in Louisiana and the election was in, let's say, 2024, I would have to be a 
I'll have to have moved in Louisiana by the election to be able to run for that seat. So even if you haven't lived there and you just moved there just to run for election, you technically could still run. I don't know how successful you'll be because <laughs> the people don't really know you. You're not from there, but you can you can do it, apparently. <laughs> and the seats in the House of Representatives are distributed among states based on the population gained from the census. And the census is done every 10 years. So the number of congressional districts you have can change every 10 years based on the census. So more people, more districts, more representatives for your state. And it doesn't matter the population of your state. Every state is entitled to one representative. So if your state is small, only has like one congressional district, or if they have none, they'll at least have one representative, no matter what. And also after the census that is done, states redraw district boundaries. So like that's how they have... um new congressional districts and more representatives. And usually this is done by either state legislature or redistricting commissions. And these redistricting commissions are nonpartisan, so not for any party or not drawing lines so a party has more representation in the House. So they use that so they no manipulation can be used to make a district for the party. So like say for instance, Republicans are trying to draw a district where they know more people are Republican. And the way it's drawing now is it doesn't vote Republican necessarily they'll draw it so that it would be a Republican sitting there. So they do that so that that can't happen and the parties aren't using it to gain more power. But yeah, so that's why they use Nonpartisan redistricting commissions most of the time rather than state legislatures because the state legislatures controlled by Republicans they might just try to make more districts that are represented by a Republican than the Democrats so they the nonpartisan redistricting commissions are way better to use in those situations so and it varies by say which one they use but a lot of time they use the nonpartisan redistricting commissions. So now we're going to talk about the leadership now, the big man up top. Um, it starts up, it's, well, the head is the speaker, and the speaker is voted on by members of the House. So whoever you're voting on into the House is voting on who the speaker of the House is. And the speaker of the House is whoever is picked from the people that are voted into the House. And then they're the majority leaders, which is the majority party. So the mo- the party that has the most representatives in the House is the majority party. And the one with the least is the minority party. So they have majority and minority leaders that are their representatives um, on the floor. So they just represent their party's interests on the floor. And then there's majority whips and minority whips, which assistant leadership on both sides. So majority whips for majority party, obviously, and the minority whip is for the minority party. So, and they also have party caucuses and and or conference. Um, it's just an organization or meeting of all party members of the house, and majority and minority party members meet in different caucuses to select their leaders. 
And yeah, and it was me as they select their leader. So, and then there's also standing committees that have different legislative jurisdiction, and they consider bills or issues and recommend measures for consideration in the House based on the thing they have jurisdiction on. So, for example, the Committee on Education and Workforce, they're going to have jurisdiction over programs and agencies and activities in their jurisdiction, which is education in the workforce. So they'll have jurisdiction over like programs like Head Start. They'll have jurisdiction over different activities like pensions or health care for the workforce. And each of these committees have a chair from the majority party. I almost said minority. From the majority party. And they head the full committee and the ranking member who leads minority part minority party members in that committee. So there's a there's a um chair and then there's the ranking member. So if you were to watch a hearing, a committee hearing, you'll see on the table in front of them a little name thing and it'll say chair and then but the only party will say ranking member and then say their name. So, like, if you see that, that's what that means. And each of these committees' size and proportions um, are decided by party leaders, and the total number of committee slots are allotted to each party is about the same as the ratio of majority and minority members in the full floor. So, let's say Republicans is ratio to Democrats is two to one. That same ratio will be replicated in the um, committee for the committee size. So if it's two to one on the floor, it'll be two to one in the committee. So you keep the same ratio as on the floor for the committee. And sometimes they will have um, special or select committees. They call me though or sometimes, but it's special or select and they're formed to um most of the time for investigation, but for any specific purpose for a short period of time. And um, they are an advisory body for like investigations and or policy related issues or to carry out a mystery of tasks. And they are usually created by law or by house resolution. And sometimes they even have private citizens that are members of these commissions. But mainly, you know, they are members of the House, or it also could be a mix of both, like members of the House and private citizens in it. Um, there are also some independent commissions within the legislative branch, and some are entities of the House or Congress. So that's about the jobs that the representatives in the house do so they work on commissions they're on committees they make laws obviously everyone knows that from growing up learning about social studies and civics and all that um they also are your closest besides your state representatives closest representatives to you in the national stage so and some of their powers include they elect the president if no candidate in the presidential election gets to 270 votes or if there's a tie, which is highly unlikely. 
then they elect the president. And they have the power to impeach federal officials. And they have the power to initiate revenue bills. So that's the House. And now we're going on to the Senate, which is the upper chamber in the House, like I said. It's composed of 100 senators, which is two from each state. Um, fun fact about senators, before 1913, senators were elected by state legislatures instead of by direct election. And in 1913, with the ratification of the 17th Amendment, senators were able to be directly elected by the people of their state. So just felt like I should mention that because it shows like the privilege we have to be able to elect our senators because a lot of people back then were not able to elect their senators. They would just have to hope the state legislature put the right person in that seat. So we're really privileged to be able to elect our senators that represent us on a national level in the high chamber of Congress. So the senators serve six-year terms, which is staggered. So one-third of the Senate will be up for election every two years. So if you're elected in 2022 as a senator, I would say from Louisiana, since that's my state, you're elected in 2022 as a senator from Louisiana. 2024, you're now up for re-election. 2026, you're now up for re-election. But in 2028, you'll be up for re-election. So... You have six total years, and then you're up for re-election. So every two years, one-third of the Senate is up for re-election. So when you get voted in, there's another third that, is, that are, being, are in the election to keep their seat. So, ten, so, well, if you vote them, if you vote for them, you have six years of them. So this is even more so important in the House, because House, you at least have two years to judge how the job they did, and if you want to reelect them, Sanders is six years. So you really got to think about who you're voting for in the Sanders because they serve for longer. And the requirements to be a senator, you have to be 30 years old, be a U.S. citizen for at least nine years, and be a resident of the state they represent. So I have to live in Louisiana to be a senator from Louisiana. You can't, <laughs> you can't live in Mississippi and be a senator from Louisiana. Even if you were born in Louisiana and moved there, you still can't. You have to be a resident in the state. You can't be born from there and still represent them. You have to move back and become a resident. So they also have committees, just like in the House, where they draft, consider, and recommend legislation to the whole Senate. And they also use investigations and hearings to gather information on domestic and international problems in the in whatever that committee's jurisdiction is. And another fun fact is a low percent of bills considered by committees make the floor. So majority of the bills they look at in those committees in the Senate do not make the floor. So I, th- I just thought that was interesting and something I would share. Um, but some of the powers they have, they confirm presidential appointments that require consent, like judicial appointments or if a cabinet position that the president puts up there, they sometimes have to um, confirm that appointment. They also give advice and consent to ratify treaties. But uh, 
thing that also goes along with that, the House also has to approve any treaties that involve foreign trade. And in the case there's a vacancy in the VP position and the president appoints someone to be VP. So like if a VP was to die and the president has to appoint someone to be VP, then the House must approve. They also try impeachment cases preferred by the House. So the House impeaches and the Senate tries the case. So so are like the judiciary body of the Congress because they um, try the cases brought to them by the House for impeachment of official, federal officials. So now we're going to leadership. Leadership is vice president and the president pro temporary because vice president is more so president of the Senate. Doesn't, it's more of a figurehead in the Senate. Um, when they're not president, then the president pro temporary is head of, basically president of the Senate. They also have majority leaders and minority leaders like in the House, majority whip and minority whip, which is the same, same thing as in the House of Representatives. So Senate is basically does a lot of the same things that the House does, but some more, it's a little bit of an upgrade, a little bit more than the House. So that's why it's the upper chamber in the House, and the House is the lower chamber of Congress. So that's the federal Congress, the U.S. Congress. And now I just want to give you an idea of what a state Congress will look like. Just to give you an example, I know Louisiana's Congress is not the same as somebody from Mississippi or Texas or Arkansas or Kansas, but I just want to use this for example to show you an example of a state Congress, and hopefully this encourages you to go look at your own Congress in your state and so you know how that works, and you are also encouraged to vote for state congressman in your own state if you're not from Louisiana. But if you are from Louisiana, then I'm going to talk about Louisiana's Congress. So Louisiana's Congress, um, both houses, Senate and the um, House of Representatives, have a term there of three years, which is 12 years. So no term limit of Three terms, which is 12 years. <laughs> Sorry. So they are up for election every four years. So if you don't like the job they're doing, four years, you can vote them out. So just also you got to make sure you're voting in the people you want to in there because they have four years. Four years is a long time of dealing with people that are not putting in the policies you want them to put in. So make sure it's very important that you vote in the people in these state jobs that you actually want to be in those state jobs and not have to be stuck with somebody for four or four plus years. So they have term limits of three terms, four year terms, which is adds up or multiplies to 12 years. So they have 12 total years they are able to be announced. But this is also consecutive. So if they serve three terms and they sit out a term, they could run again if they wanted to, which I don't know why they would, but they could if they wanted to. Um, some powers that both of them have, um, they can override the governor's veto with two-thirds vote. 
So governor vetoes a bill or whatever they pass in both houses with two thirds vote, they can get through. Um, there's the sessions for the legislative branch is <clears throat> 60 for even number of years and 45 for odd. So, and um, only monetary bills are considered in those those odd number of years. And so if it's 2022, there's 60 legislative days. If it's 2023, it's only 45 and only monetary bills are considered. And then some requirements. The requirement needs to be in both, not just one. Just This is for both. You have to be at least 18. You have to resign the district for one year and must have lived in the state for two years and have to be a registered voter. So that's the requirements to be a Louisiana state representative or a state senator. So just like in the federal Congress, there are committees in both houses and they have a chairman that leads the committee and then the vice chair, which is a little different federal. Federal has ranking member and the chair, but they have committee and vice chair in Louisiana's Congress, which is the same. Um, this is for both houses also. So now we are going to the House of Representatives, focus only on them. Um, this is kind of short, so kind of just going through it. I'm just showing you, for example, the House of Representatives has 105 representatives. And like I said, their elections are every four years. And their leadership is speaker, which is traditionally recommended by a governor, but it's not mandated by law. But it's just tradition that is recommended by the governor. And then there's a speaker pro tempore, which is um, second in command, basically, in the House. Um, and the House elects its clerk of the House and its chief clerical. I don't even know how to say that word, but... So, yeah, they elect the clerk of the house and his chief clerical. And they have the sole authority to impeach their officials and to introduce appropriation bills. So they're the only ones that have authority in Louisiana's Congress to impeach their officials and to introduce appropriations bills, which is money. Talk about money. So that's the house in Louisiana. Again, if you are not from Louisiana and you want to know um, how your state's um, House of Representatives looks, I encourage you to go search it up. You should. It might. It should be easy to find um, for state government, but I encourage you to look and see and check out what type of things your Congress does so you're more informed of why you should be voting and what you're actually voting for them to do. So, now we're going to the Senate. Uh, Louisiana Senate has 39 senators. And some powers they have, they're, they try state officials. Um, they are impeached by the House, so just like the federal Senate does. They do the same exact thing in Louisiana Senate. And they confirm or reject officials nominated by the governor. So they have the power to confirm or reject anybody that are, is nominated by the governor. So... That's a check for the governor. Make sure the governor gets too powerful in the state. And leadership of the Senate includes the president of the Senate, which is just like the Speaker of the House and the House of Representatives of Louisiana. It's traditionally recommended by the governor, but it's not mandated by law. So it's just tradition. 
and the second command is present for temporary and there are also majority and minority leaders for each party just like in the federal senate so there you have it just talked about the federal congress and example of a state congress in louisiana um again <laughs> sorry for the long time between uploads um i'm getting it together i promise i'm getting it together um but now that i started with talking about why you should vote now we're going to begin to some issues of today as i you know and i know we're on the brink of an election in 2024 and my louisiana people were on the brink of a governor's election in 2023 which have a bunch of issues that are big factors in these elections so we're going to dive into some of those issues so see where god will be on these issues and again as you listen to this test it in the spirit don't just take it just because i say i'm christian and follower of christ and i'm reading a bible verse because sometimes Sometimes I might be wrong. I'm not. I'm human. I'm not perfect. I'm not 100% right on everything. But just test the spirit. Make sure you're checking your word. Definitely challenge me if you feel like if you feel like I'm not. How should I say it? Um, if you feel like it's not necessarily right, I guess is the way to put it, or not being explained in a good way. Because I like feedback, helps me to become better, and also keeps me in check. Um, but yeah, we're going to continue putting God's word in politics. We're going to continue bringing the word into politics, because especially in these days of politics, the divisiveness and different issues that are losing truth in them, we're trying to bring that truth back. And trying to make politics something that's not so divisive and more uniting than divisive. So, thank y'all for listening. I know it was a long time uh, between posts. But if you came back and listened again, I thank you for listening. And I hope to see you on the next episode.